You're listening to a sermon from Church of Christ at Treaty. For more resources, check out cctreaty.org. We're in Hebrews 11, and we're looking at all the stories that the author mentions. And today we come to the account of Noah, who's the great-grandson we mentioned the other day of Enoch, who was taken. He didn't actually taste death in the way that you and I likely will experience death. He was taken by God to be with God, and he was known as one of two people who are referenced as people who walked closely with God. Enoch is one, the other one is who we'll look at today, his great-grandson, Noah. And so the message I've titled is, it takes faith to commit to what seems impossible. It takes faith to commit to believing in something That seems impossible. Here's what the writer says in Hebrews 11, verse 7, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen. Are you there? Like you've been told, you've been promised, you believe, and you haven't seen it. When warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world, and he became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with the faith. And that's the passage that we're going to break down today. If you're a note taker, the first note I want you to write down is that Noah was warned. It says, by faith, Noah, when warned. He was warned by God. First, we see that God told Noah, promised Noah, warned Noah that a flood was coming. Let's look at the story in Genesis chapter 6. It'll be on your screen, starting in verse 9. So we have a little context to what the writer is saying. He says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons. If you're looking to pick out a name for your next child, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. No, uh, the earth, it says in verse 11, was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. Sound familiar? God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it. Coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. Very specific. He says in verse 15, the ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof an opening one cubit high all around. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life. Under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, his promise, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Verse 22, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Wow. Wow. 
God warned Noah. Noah was warned by God. God chose Noah because he walked closely with him. He was righteous. His righteousness was the result of his faith because it takes faith to commit to what seems impossible. Noah was blameless, the Bible says. It doesn't mean he was sinless. It means that he lived a lifestyle that wasn't sinless. He was above reproach, living with a higher standard. Noah stayed true to God even when everyone else around him did not. He was walking with God, close to God, and that is the faith and closeness that enabled him to live righteously in an unrighteous world. We see that God warned Noah of the coming judgment and told him what to do, and Noah, it says, did it. When we have faith, that God will warn us of things. I think we see this oftentimes in our lives when God's spirit maybe pricks us or prompts us or prods us. Maybe you've been heading into a situation that uh, wasn't going to be good or a choice that maybe was going to be a bad decision or engage in a relationship that was not going to be a good idea and you might have had feelings of uneasiness you had a warning sign. Maybe God sends someone to let you know, listen, I wouldn't do this. Something doesn't feel right. We have a choice to make in those times that we can ignore the warning or we can continue into that decision. But oftentimes when we don't listen to the warnings, it changes the course of action and course of our lives. Perhaps there's times when God's warning comes from us or from other people. I believe that Noah did that. If you look at Second Peter, it's not on your screen, but the Bible calls Noah a preacher of righteousness. Noah took the warning that God had given him, and then Noah shared it with the people that he was around, and he began to build the ark. People were going to question what he did. They were going to ask why he was doing it. What in the world are you doing? Noah had opportunities to share the warnings of God, just like we do today. God might alert us to a situation that we're dealing with, or maybe something that someone you know is dealing with, and God wants to use you to speak into that situation, to go out and warn them, listen, what you're going to do is not going to go well. And sometimes that's what God asks us to do. And it's the most loving thing that we can do to say, I've been down that road. I've seen that before. I know what you're thinking. It might make sense right now, but what you're doing is going to ruin your life. And as with us and God, we can choose to listen to the warning or we can avoid the warning. And that may lead to a dangerous situation. It happens all the time where people are warned and warned and warned. They make the choice and it turns out badly. And I know that I've done that in my life and maybe you have as well. Maybe not listen to advice or decisions or ideas that people had and you thought you knew better than God and those people. And we need to understand that there is a warning and Noah received that warning from God. The second thought I want to share that the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11 is that Noah, it says, who was moved by a holy fear. It says he was warned by God of what was coming. He knew what was coming, but it also says then he was moved. There was an action that came because he had this holy fear of God. He had respect and reverence for God and his word. And I think that's something that we've lost in our lives and in our worlds is the power of God's word. Whether it's something he tells us in our prayer time, something he says in the word, we've lost respect and reverence for what he says. 
And Noah's faith enabled him to be obedient, to do what he was told to do, this holy fear that Noah had. He said, I believe in God, and I believe what God said is going to happen. Look at the thing that you wrote down. My friend, do you believe it's going to happen? And Noah did. Noah did. So he said, I better do what God told me to do so that I'm ready for what happens that he says is going to happen to happen. And I'm not sure. As I think about this story, I was talking to Alec and Jacob this week. There's so many uh, questions and, and, and things that I think about. Maybe you don't think like this, but you read a story and you're like, well, okay, how long did it take to build it? What was he thinking? Like, because I don't think that every single day he just woke up, it's a time to work, you know, like, let's, let's get after it. I'm not sure how God proved himself over and over, like the hymn says, you know, how you've proven over and over. Um, I'm not sure how God did that over the years, but somehow Noah was moved by a holy fear. He had an intense faith, and God enabled him to enact and accept something that seemed so impossible. And it takes faith to believe in impossible things. Nothing like this had ever happened before. Think about this. No one had ever completed a project like this, ever. You've got a guy named Noah who's told by God, living in a region near the Arabian and Syrian deserts, I need you to build a boat, right? I need you to build a boat. Quite possibly, Noah was commanded to build an ark in a desert. Talk about faith. So does it seem crazy to ask for God to heal your marriage that's in a desert where you're dry and you feel like you have no life left? Does it really seem that crazy that maybe God could bring it back? That God could restore your finances? That God could bring your lost grandson back to saving faith in him? No, write it down and believe it. Noah not only needed faith to commit this project, he needed faith to stay committed. Not just to build it, but to stay committed. Uh, this is one of the thoughts that I had this week. The length of time that it took to build the ark is not specifically laid out in Scripture. But if you look at some of the clues that you have, there's about a hundred-year span between the time of Noah's first son uh, to the time when he came into the ark. So since Noah's three sons are grown up and they have wives, you can estimate that it probably took somewhere around 75 years. Listen, 75 years to build the ark. I would say that it takes faith to stay dedicated to something for 75 years. Will you stay at your job for 75 years to see what God's... Will you keep praying for your kid for 75 years until you see it built? Will you stay in your marriage for 75 years until you see it resurrected. It takes faith to believe that the earth was going to be destroyed, which had never happened before, that two of every animal was going to approach him. We're going to make their way to him to be put on an ark built by the hands of men. Noah's faith allowed him to believe something that seemed so impossible. He acted on it, and that's all that we know was that God gave him his word, and he was faithful. 
If you have a word from God, you can believe it. It's not impossible. For the entire time that God had told Noah to build the ark, we don't know of any other revelation. We're not told of any other sign or wonder that God gave Noah whatsoever. The credibility that Noah had was God's declaration and the faithfulness of God. And I'm pretty sure that Noah believed that he was serious because God had very specific measurements. Like, I want it to be this big. I want windows over here. This is how. So we know that he knew and believe that God was serious. But can you imagine 75 years is a long time to build an ark. 75 minutes is a long time for me to build a boat out of Legos. 75 years is a long time to sit and wait and believe that God is going to be faithful. 75 years of fighting through criticism and rejection and people mocking you and telling you that it's not going to happen for 75 years. 75 years of being tempted to doubt, to disbelieve, hundreds and thousands of opportunities and chances to be frustrated, to give up, to quit, to throw the towel in and say it's never going to happen. God's word was all Noah had. It's enough. It's enough. That was faith. Holy faith moved in fear, staying true to the word of God, trusting in the one thing that he was given, God's word, and it's enough to dedicate 75 years to something. Noah got a word from God. He believed it. He wrote it down. He acted on it. It didn't make any sense to anyone around around him, and the fact that God said it was all he needed. And so when the world wants to question something I believe, all I have to take to the bank is that God told me so. And he's faithful. I love the story of Dr. Ray, who was a church planter. He went around and built churches from the ground up for people in the 40s. God told him to go to Myrtle, Mississippi. He said, God told me in the 1940s to go to this place called Myrtle, Mississippi. In the middle of the land, there was an area, and he said, God told me to stand in the middle of Myrtle, Mississippi, and start digging the footing for what would be a 2,000-seat assembly building for Christians to get together and worship. This is in the 1940s. This is before megachurches. This is before satellite campuses where tens of thousands of people would meet in different buildings. This is somebody being told by God to go to Mississippi, who goes there on purpose, and then starts digging a footing by faith for 2,000 people. But Dr. Ray did it, and one day, a man came along and gave Dr. Ray a check that paid for the entire thing. This man, somewhere else in Memphis, Tennessee, God told him, I want you to get in, I don't know, it says ride, I'm assuming the 40s, maybe, I don't know how he got there, but I want you to go down into northern Mississippi, and when you get there, you're going to find a crazy preacher who's digging a footing for a building, and I want you to pay for it. Can you imagine that? The hours and hours of the shovel, digging, just believing that God is going to do something, And then God's sending the promise that he said. Camp Zion is an assembly hall that has thousands and hundreds of conferences every year. uh, 2,000 people can sit in there comfortably, and they have conferences and sessions of worship because Dr. Ray did what God asked him to do. When we have healthy fear that respects God's word, we have faith to believe and act on impossible things. The next thing I want you to write down is that by faith, it says that Noah condemned the world. 
So we're just going through Hebrews 11:7 that tells us that God warned Noah, that God moved him with the holy fear, and it says his faith condemned the world. Now, I don't mean that Noah went around judging everybody, condemning everybody, but he had the ability, uh, he didn't have the ability to say, you're saved, you're saved, you're saved. That wasn't the point. What he's talking about is words and actions, that while Noah was building, he was preaching, You may not be preaching on Sunday mornings. You may not be teaching to Sunday school. But when you're putting your cars together in the assembly line, you are preaching. When you're disciplining your children, when you're loving your family, when you're helping someone with math tutoring, you are preaching a message. You're showing the world your faith and commitment to what God's asked you to do that may seem impossible. The kid that doesn't think he'll ever understand math finally understands math because you helped and you were faithful The Bible tells us in 1 Peter that God waits patiently. God waited patiently, he says, in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. God waited patiently for the people to repent. God knew ahead of time that they wouldn't believe. And that's why God gave Noah 75 years. Because God is patient, amen? To complete in 75 years allowed for many people to maybe increase their faith and to believe in the one who was going to send the rain. By Noah's active faith, the words that he spoke, the deeds, him building the ark, he was speaking condemnation. He was letting him know, listen, I know what's coming. I'm telling you it's coming in one day. You're going to know. You have a choice to believe in the God that's going to send the flood or not. To believe that the man, me, the guy building the boat is either acting according to what God's asked me to do or I'm absolutely crazy. You have a choice, and God's no different today. The message is still there of condemnation and salvation. Either we're absolutely nuts, or God is who he said he is. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I love, and one of our elders always says this, if you're here, it's because God is patient. He still has a job for you to do, or he still needs you to come to him. You either have an ark that you're building, or you need to know that he's coming back for his church, and you don't belong yet, and he wants you to belong. So we need to keep building our ark and believing in impossible things. That nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. Noah was patient while he went about the, gra- uh, the task of building the ark. And I'm sure that there were times where he said, I just want this to be over with. I talk to people sometimes. They say, man, I just want Jesus to come back. Anybody ever felt like that? Like, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly, save us. And maybe that's something that we feel when life is hard and grueling and times we want nothing more than just to be home with God, and I get it. But listen, we need to be patient. We need to continue our task, as Noah did, knowing that the Lord is not slow. He's not late. He's going to come when he's going to come. And when we understand that, we can't be impatient with God. Catch this. We should pray that he waits. Because I still have friends going to hell. Like, we should be praying that God waits because we haven't built the ark, right? We haven't finished the work that he's called us to. Another thing I want you to write down, it says that Noah became an heir of righteousness. He inherited the righteousness, it says, that comes by faith. And this is impossible without faith, but by faith we can be made righteous, receiving the benefits 
of righteousness through Christ and through our faith. Romans 1, 17 says, For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Righteousness comes through faith, not by works, although they go hand in hand, they're accompanied together because of the righteousness. We live by faith. We live out our faith in action. And Noah may have had to deal with people mocking him, people putting him down, backlash for what he's doing, temptation to give up. But I guarantee one of the things that kept him going was the reward, was knowing that he was going to be saved. And so on those days when he wanted to give up and he had the promise of watery destruction, listen, he had the promise of his life being spared. And I'm sure that he had to think about, okay, well, God's going to save me, but what about all these other people? And I'm sure he was full of gratitude, knowing that God was going to save him. But I'm, I'm hoping and believing that I'm sure that Noah was also full of sadness. Knowing that soon, not knowing, it was 75 years, but soon the world was going to be destroyed, caused him to be sad. Genesis 6-9 tells us he walked with God. If he walked with God, he had to have the heart of God and the mind of God, which means God would have been sad that his people were going to be not saved. So Noah must have felt the same thing. God grieves over the lost. He grieves over the fact that judgment is coming and many people will deny him. And so Noah has a, a joy, but also a grief. What about us? It's really easy to be like, when we all get to heaven, what about those that won't? Like, does it wreck you? Because Matthew 7 says, listen, and we have the word of God, which we can count on. Enter through the narrow gate. Wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. This is Jesus, my friends. So take it up with him if you don't like it. And many people will enter it, but small is the gate. Narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Now listen, we need to understand the magnitude of this and this should cause us to fall on our knees. I'm the kid that needed math tutoring, but I'm smart enough to know that wide means more people and narrow means less people. And many is a lot and few is a little, amen? And I don't know the ratio of good to bad, saved to lost, but what we know is more people are lost than are found. Does this make us sad? Jeremiah is referred to as the weeping prophet, grief-stricken, because of his people who were rebellious. Jesus, it says, wept over Jerusalem because they were unwilling to come to him. If you're walking with God, if you're living for Jesus and following him, then we should grieve over what grieves the heart of Jesus. The Bible tells us in Luke 15 that when someone comes to repentance, what happens? The angels rejoice. But listen, when someone dies lost, it breaks the heart of God. And it should break ours as well. It takes faith to be declared righteous through Christ. And faith enables us to have this inheritance to receive both rewards on this side of heaven and in heaven. We are heirs to the throne. We have the same promise of Jesus that what belongs to him belongs to us through our faith in Christ. And the last thought is that it takes faith to believe the impossible. I said, write it down. I want you to write it down. I'm not kidding. I want you to write something impossible down. I'm going to tell you what mine is. I believe that my daughter is going to speak in words that we've never heard. 
And I also believe, and there's some things going on right now, people that need healed. I believe it's going to happen. Full healing. Not just enough to get by. I believe that God is going to make his name known in this world. I believe we have politicians in the White House that are going to meet Jesus. That's what I'm praying for. I'm not praying for new leaders. I'm praying for renewed leaders that would seek Jesus with their heart and their mind and their soul, that our country would turn their hearts back to God and call on the name of Jesus. And I believe it can happen. And I hope that I'm around to see it happen. There are times that we're going to be faced with the same challenge that Noah has. It's not going to happen. The people around him told him, you're crazy. Our faith is going to demand that we believe in things that are impossible. But when we face these challenges head on, led by holy fear, impossibilities become possible. Marriages get better. Kids return home. Cancer goes away. Nations return to the Lord. Addictions are healed, not because we have any power. We are powerless, but we belong to the one who is. And so people criticized Noah. Noah had big faith and people questioned it. There were 75 years of people making fun of him, 75 years of him guessing, second guessing himself, believing that he wasn't the right God. God couldn't have asked him to do it. He's not qualified. He's never built anything before. Second guessing whether he heard God's word or maybe he heard demons in his head or voices in his head. He stood the test of time, did what God asked him to do, completed the mission. People thought he was crazy. They told him he was wrong. He could have chose not to believe, but then the flood came. The people criticized him, and they're going to criticize us today. They're going to tell you it's not possible. You've been married for 20 years. You've never got along. You've been addicted for 35 years. People don't get clean after 40 years of addiction. They're going to think you're crazy. They thought Noah was crazy to build an ark in the middle of the desert to get ready for a flood that they'd never heard about. And people think it's a fairy tale. It didn't happen. I promise you it happened. You can look at science. There's evidence of the flood, but I don't even need that. You know why? Because I have God's word. I don't need to debate whether the Grand Canyon is part of proof that the flood existed. I have the word of God. And all of these plausible, conclusive evidences mean nothing to me. It just causes room for people to doubt and counter and argue. The evidence that we have is that God is who he said he is, that his word is from him. And for those of us who have faith in Jesus, that's all we need. It's all that Noah had, and it's all we need. I don't need other people to believe these things are going to happen. I believe it because God told me it was going to happen. And so, we need our faith increased to believe, to commit to believing in things that seem impossible. We don't have to worry about those that reject us. They're going to be there. We don't have to worry about those people who are there and criticize us. It's going to happen. We know what God's asked us to do. We know what he's called us to do. And we need to stay true to that task that we've been given and persevere until it's finished. The Lord will provide authenticity and revelation to his truth. What he called you to do will happen. He will silence his foes. He can handle it. We just need to have faith, the same faith that Noah had, to heed the warning, to be moved by a holy fear, to, to have the best sermon that we could ever give be the life that we live, and to believe, to have the faith to believe that what he promised is going to happen.
we need to have the faith that Noah had to continue to build the ark. The ark is a picture of the church, my friends. Like Bible says that the gates of hell won't stand a chance against the church. And the church isn't this building. The church is everyone who belongs to God. There are his children who've been grafted and adopted into the family of God. Bible tells us that the gates of hell will not stand against it. The world may, the critics may, scientists may, doctors may, but we have God's word and that's enough. And so I really want you to write down something. And the more, like, I, I, I think you should probably laugh when you write it down, right? Like, what's the impossible thing God told you is going to happen? Like, what is it? Uh, one of my friends all the time reminds me that one day this church is going to be so full that, like, well, it, it'll just be full, like, I don't know what we'll do then. Sit on the floor. And listen, I may not be here for that, but I I believe it's going to happen. Right? Like, I believe, and it may take 100 years, but I believe it. So write it down. What is God telling you? Like, maybe he's saying, you know what? You've you've been struggling with this relationship uh, or this addiction or this vice or and you've been trying to give it up. You've been trying to get financial freedom. And every time you, you get everything paid off, you're going in to pay off that last thing. You find out that your car broke down, you need new tires, and now you don't have $800 for tires. It's never going to end. Like I hear, like this is never going to end. Maybe God's telling you, oh, it's going to end. But I need to increase your faith. People are going to be like, I never thought that that person would ever be able to buy me a meal and now they're blessing me, right? I never ever thought that that marriage, like I was going to see those people holding hands again or talking again or, or working together at their job again. Like I didn't think that was going to happen. But God said it was going to happen. And they believed by faith. Write it down and don't give up. Because God is going to do impossible things.